Welcome to It's the ADHD Friendly Podcast, where we talk all things well-being, personal development, and living our best damn ADHD lives at home and at work. My name is Karen McGill. I'm a certified ADHD life coach, and I'm here to help you do life better. It is not hard to find all the negative effects that ADHD has on a person's life. I could give you a laundry list of things that have been forgotten, lost items, missed appointments, missed flights, and awkward situations. But I know you know what I'm talking about. It's not easy having ADHD. But what about the good parts of our ADHD? How does it show up for us in positive ways and how can we get to it more often? Well, today I'm sharing the top five strengths that both me and the scientific literature agree are associated with ADHD, and also what to actually do with those strengths in our everyday life. In case you don't know, my name is Karen McGill and I am a certified ADHD coach and I also have ADHD. I'm passionate about this topic because if you have ADHD, there's no getting rid of it. So you might as well learn how to accept it and use it to your advantage, right? Right. So, On that note, here are the top five ways that ADHD is the ace in the hole or in your back pocket or wherever you put an ace that you can pull out and use whenever the opportunity presents itself. Number one, we see the big picture in 4D. Details are very important. I get it. But so often we humans get caught up in the myopic details of life and lose the big picture point of what we're focused on. Folks with ADHD have the advantage of big picture thinking. This is a perception quality that helps us see different sides or points of view in a situation rather than being narrow viewed or one-sided. So how does this help us? We are natural mediators, y'all, which means that we are incredibly useful, especially on Facebook, (laughs) and also especially in this time in history where we're really divided. This gives you an empathetic power to understand somebody else's point of view, and often you can see the greatness in them that they can't see in themselves because they're stuck in the crappy details. So where can you actually apply this strength? Well, in terms of your career, it makes you a very compassionate and charismatic leader because you can speak to a vision that doesn't have the details ironed out yet. This is critical if you want to be an entrepreneur. So if you have a vision for something, but you're feeling overwhelmed by the details, maybe you need someone who complements your big picture thinking, who also has those execution skills or a coach that can help you iron out the details and work through them into operationalizing them into tasks. You can do this. It just takes a little bit more time because it's not your superpower. So you might need support. On a more practical level, this also means that when you're listening to others explain something, especially when it's boring, but important, ask them to explain the big picture concept first, then fill in the details afterwards. Your brain will capture that big picture essence, and then you can start to like fill in the gaps with the details afterwards, and you will have it, and your attention will stay longer. The point of the strength overall is that it's, the point is, This strength is there, but you have to create the right environment for it to show up and also cultivate it. 
Number two, we bring the energy. As long as it's something we're interested in, we're totally ready for action. We can be spontaneous, self-starting, have endless curiosities about any topic you might want to throw at us. And we will take down the energy by any day in terms of endurance because we can just keep going and going and going. I hope you get the commercial reference there. So of course, this is brilliant to have as an asset and especially at work. But the trick is, like I mentioned, it has to be something that we're interested in and passionate about. That's really the key to not getting sick of it and moving on. Or if you happen to be somebody who does move or like get sick of things a lot, whether you're passionate about it or not, maybe you need to focus on doing project work or sprint work as that's a better way for you to harness your energy on the job. But how can you use this in your life right now? Energy is a tricky thing because if we're, if we overuse Number two, we bring the energy. As long as it's something that we're interested in, we are so ready for action. We can be spontaneous, self-starting, and have endless curiosity about a topic. We will take down the energy bunny any day in terms of endurance because we can just keep going and going and going. You know the little rabbit with the, the drum set? So if you don't know what I'm talking about, just move on. <laughs> so of course, this is a brilliant asset to have, especially at work. But the trick is, like I mentioned, it has to be something that we're both interested in and passionate about. If we don't have those two variables, very often we might get sick of things and move on because interest can be uh, fleeting, but passion is uh, derived from uh, values and what you're intrinsically motivated toward. So if you are somebody who is, you know, only mildly interested in something or interested, but not passionate, or you're just somebody who needs to switch things up an awful lot, then you're going to thrive with project work or sprint work. And that's going to be the way for you to harness your strength on the job. And how can you use this in your life right now? Well, Energy is a tricky thing because if we overuse it, then we get burned out. And as you know, I've got a whole podcast about ADHD burnout. If you start to understand where your wellspring of energy comes from, you can harness it to do great things. But what does that mean? It's quite simple. You just have to get really clear about what gives you energy and what drains it. Does peopling and noise drain you? Does walking your dog or playing video games jazz you up? Make a list of your drainers and chargers and start using them to pump you up before you need to harness energy to do other important work that you don't really feel like doing. Personally, I run before a big work day because it quiets my mind and gives me focused energy to do the hard stuff for about mm, two hours or so, and then I need to reboot. So the takeaway here is to get curious about your personal energy and how to optimize it. Only you can do this work, but if you take the time to master your energy levels, it can really supercharge your day and your energy and your performance. Number three, we are cool in chaos. Now, if you have ADHD, you're probably no stranger to chaos. I mean, messiness, disorganization, last minute fires that need to be put out because you forgot something or showed up late. It's a lifelong adventure, right? 
But there is a flip side to the hard part about living in chaos. It makes us very resilient and adaptable because we have developed compensatory habits and emotional calluses that buffer against the impacts of this chaos. In other words, when it comes to chaos, this is not our first rodeo friend, it's about our seven millionth. So what does this mean and how does it help? Well, y'all, we can thrive under pressure like nobody's business. This is a particular superpower in very specific careers like event management, which is something I used to do, being um, a staff in an emergency room, being a first responder, a stock trader, and well, probably a mother. Uh, It also helps us to get through the hard seasons in life. Think about a time when you or someone close to you is going through a hard time. How did you show up in that situation? Were you nowhere to be found? Or were you alert and on it? I bet it was the latter. And if you're even if you're thinking, yeah, but I could have done so much more, that's your ADHD talking. We are the people that show up in a crisis because crisis is where we thrive, friends. Sad to say, but it's true. In fact, a recent study found that the ADHD brain tends to produce more theta waves than the average brain when crisis hits. Theta waves indicate a state of deep relaxation or focus. So when everyone else's brains are freaking out, you're the calm cucumber in the room. And you know what they say about calm cucumbers? I don't actually know what they say about calm cucumbers. (laughs) Number four, we are quick starters. Yes, impulsivity is an ADHD symptoms, but framed another way, We're quick to start things where other people spin their wheels and get ready to get ready forever. Am I right? According to the Colby test, test, sorry, quick starts have a natural ability to innovate or improvise when solving problems. People who initiate quick action with a sense of urgency and thrive on details are ADHDers. That's us. Anecdotally, I can tell you that most of the big things I've done in my life can be attributed to this strength. Y'all, I sold all of my belongings and moved to India for three months in my late 30s, left a six-figure corporate job more than once to take on entrepreneurial ventures, and I've also done a half Ironman, even though I hadn't swam or rode a bike since I was 10, and I competed in a bodybuilding competition for the first time at the ripe old age of 42. Quick starting is the only thing I know how to do. If I spent time actually breaking down and thinking through every step of things I would have to do, I would never do it because I would realize how damn hard it is. Quick starters get the snizzle done. We might not make it pretty and guaranteed there'll be some point in the process where we're going to say to ourselves, what the hell was I thinking when I signed up to do this? But that's what makes life interesting, right? As a side note, you would not be watching or listening to me right now if I took a long time to consider how I would execute on this podcast. Is it perfect? Far freaking from it. But the only way to advance my skill of podcasting is to actually keep doing it. Rest assured, making a fool of myself is something I only worry about after the content is live. Because if I worried about it in advance, it would never go live. Number five, And the final one is that we are creative AF. Now, you might be thinking, no, I'm not, but I'm going to tell you that, yes, you are. You don't have to be a writer or a painter to be creative. If you cook, if you make babies, if you code, if you grow things in your backyard, you are creative. Human beings are creative. If you make something from nothing, even if it's just an idea, that is a creation. Case in point, 
I recently emceed a book launch for Josai Seahall. He's the host of the Stacking Benjamins show and he just wrote a book. So I'm interviewing him on stage and I asked him what the inspiration for the book was. And he said, wouldn't it be great to have, or he said, he thought to himself, like this is talking about like, what was the inspiration for it? He says, wouldn't it be great if there was a money book that wasn't boring, but that was actually structured like a Hardy's boy mystery novel. And I'm just like, seriously? Personal finance meets Hardy Boy's mystery novel? How random and cool is that? P.S. Joe also has ADHD and he also produces one of the most creative and interesting podcasts on personal finance that you'll ever listen to. So that's just an example of ADHD and creativity. So if you're thinking, yes, I may have a creative bone in my body, but it's laying there doing nothing, then this is a bigger even conversation, but a very necessary one because we need to express ourselves as ADHDers. We need to tap into that creative genius because that's where our strengths are. I'm not telling you to quit your job and become a full-time knitter. I'm not saying that your life will be, um, you know, amazing. If you're able to tap into your creativity, you're still going to have those ADHD struggles, but it is going to be way less than optimal. If you don't give yourself the gift of space, time, and energy to explore and express what's inside of you, you have to do this. It's your only way to live fully and freely as yourself. I mean, with every cell in my body, I know this because it comes from personal experience. And if it feels like uh, you're not channeling your creativity, then you probably feel like you're suffocating a little bit. And I don't want that for you. So those are the top five strengths that I see as universal in ADHD. There is so much more strengths to capitalize on the individual level. And I encourage you to explore what your strengths are and capitalize on them. But if you uh, don't, then I worry you'll either spin your wheels trying to keep up with everyone else or burn out because pushing your interest driven brain to do things it doesn't want to do, like trying to get yourself is like trying to get yourself out of quicksand. The harder you try, the deeper you're going to stink. So I hope you find this helpful. And if you want to explore your personal strengths at a deeper level, and how you might design your life around them, then I would love to work with you. You can reach out to me on my website at itsadhdfriendly.com. There's a tab there that goes into all of my coach offerings and the link to my coaching packages uh, will also be in the description of this podcast. So until next time, take care, be well, stick with me here and on YouTube and Instagram and Facebook, all the places, it's ADHD friendly. And until next week, guys, do what lights you up, find your strengths, leverage these strengths that I shared with you today, and live your best damn ADHD life. Take care. Thank you for listening. For links and resources for this podcast, please visit itsadhdfriendly.com or click the link in the show description. Please also be sure to subscribe so you get automatic updates when new shows are posted. And of course, please do leave us an ADHD-friendly review. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you next week.